it is true that everybody fights, even in loving families, because we're all broken people. Siblings don't share, they yell at one another, and sometimes even get into physical altercations. Perhaps your nosy aunt starts a gossip chain that, run, that ruins a family wedding shower. Or maybe the poor choices of a child leave parents disenchanted, disappointed, and disillusioned. But it is also true that God can use family conflict to bring us to a place that he intends for us to be, a place of trust and a place of reliance upon him. The story we're going to look at today is a, is a story of a conflict between family members. And you're going to see that there's two different responses to the conflict. We all are acquainted with conflict. I'm sure every one of us at some point in our lives have had conflict with family members. Uh, some of you may be experiencing that right now, or you know of family members who are in conflict with one another. And it is, uh, again, it's universal. All families face conflicts. And Abram, as we're going to see in this chapter, chapter 13, verses 1 to 18, we're going to see a conflict between Abram and his nephew Lot. And as we begin this uh, section of Scripture, I raise a question, what can cause conflict within the family? There are many different causes of conflict within the family. There's many different causes of the family in the church. But what causes conflict within the family? We're going to see two particular causes that's going to lay the groundwork or our seeds that lead to conflict between Abram and Lot. Okay? First, conflict among family members will often arise because of competition that exists within the family. Verses 1 to 5. Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Lot also was rich in um, flocks, herds, and tents. So here we see two individuals, and I want you to focus on what they have as possessions. What does Abram have? He has livestock, silver, and gold. And what does Lot have? Flocks, herds, and tents. So what does that tell you? They were both successful. They were both wealthy in the same field, no pun intended, shepherding. Right? They were both shepherds. And what did this mean? It created competition for the same pasture lands, which would eventually lead to conflict. Competition is very prevalent within families. It's often seen within siblings. We call it what? Sibling rivalry, right? 
And oftentimes, competition within the family can last for the whole duration of the relationship for as long as they both live. And sometimes the, the competition that the two had while they were alive can last even beyond their existence. In the 1920s, Germany, two brothers named Rudolf and Adolf Dassler founded their own shoe company, then called Dassler Brothers Shoe Factory in their mother's laundry room. As business boomed, so did the tension between them. Though the two brothers didn't always see eye to eye, they were able to put their differences aside and work together until one night during World War II. Rudolf and his family were in a bomb shelter during an Allied bombing raid when Adolf joined them. The first thing Adolf said was, here are the bloody expletives again, referring to the bombers. Rudolf, though, assumed that Adolf meant him and his family, and no one could convince him otherwise. From then on, their relationship went from bad to worse. He refused to work with his brother. And after the war, they dissolved the business and each formed their own companies. Adolf named his after himself, combining his nickname, Adi, or Addy, A-D-I, with the first three letters of his last name, D-A-S, Adidas. Rudolf originally called his Ruda, but then tweaked it to share a name with a certain wildcat. Today, the rivalry between Adidas and Puma still remains long after they're both gone. Even with Lot and Abram, the rivalry continues to go on, or at least after they were alive. For we know that, as we'll see in the story, Lot and Abram separate. And what happened with Lot? He ended up having an incestuous relationship with his two daughters and had two children, one from each daughter, Moab and Ammon, and both of those became a people who were a thorn in the side of Abram's descendants who were the Israelites. So we see that this competitive nature within families exists. Maybe you see it in your children when they were younger, or maybe it happens still today, right? It happens, and it leads to conflict. It happens a lot. And this is what's going to be a seed that leads to conflict here between Abram and Lot. It's competition within the household, competition within the family. And that also is true of the church as well. Secondly, conflict among family members will often arise because of unmet needs that exist within the family. Verses 6 and 7. Now the land was not able to support them that they might dwell together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife, conflict, between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And the Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. Now here we see that both Abram and Lot had insufficient grazing lands to meet their needs and to ensure the survival and well-being of their flocks. They lacked, they had unmet needs. And you can be rest assured if you have unmet needs within your own family, there's going to be conflict at some point in time. It's inevitable. If couples don't communicate and if they don't 
listen to one another, give affection. There's going to be conflict at some point, right? When there's a lack of basic necessities of life, food, shelter, and clothing, conflict will ensue. When there is a lack of love or a sense of belongingness within the home, conflict can ensue. For people need to have strong personal ties with one's family, friends, identity groups. When there's a lack of safety or security within the home, conflict can arise. There is a need for structure and predictability and stability within the home, as well as freedom from fear and anxiety. Even freedom is a need that we have. And when you take freedom away from people, conflict. We're seeing that today, right? When you have unmet, nets with unmet needs within the home, there's, it's going to lead to conflict. That's what happens here in the relationship between Abram and Lot. And it happens today in many families. So what does, what does Abram do to deal with this conflict? How does he handle family conflict? Well, Abram does one thing here. Conflict among family members can be diffused through communication that exists within the family. Seems rather obvious, but oftentimes when there's conflict, the last thing that's done is to communicate. We don't want to communicate. We'd rather, it's too difficult to communicate and to talk with the other person. Granted, there's going to be times when in the heat of conflict, it's wise to take a step back, and maybe cool, let cooler heads prevail. But at some point, if there's going to be reconciliation, there needs to be communication. And so that's what Abram's going to do, verses 8 and 9. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. So you can see that he's communicating. But there's three uh, elements, three points I want to emphasize in his communication that it's important for us when to, to keep in mind when we are in conflict with someone, well, someone else within our own family or even outside of our family. I say family because this is a family conflict. What does Abram's communication with his nephew Lot tell us? Number one, uh, Abram's uh, conversation or communication with his nephew Lot reveals that Abram values the relationship above all else in the midst of the conflict. He says, please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen. Why? For we are brethren. What does that tell me? What does that say to us? It says to Abram, I value the relationship. We are brothers. We're family. We should not be fighting. I value the relationship. Now, that's significant, particularly when the seed of conflict is competition. Because when you're in competition with someone within your own family, guess what happens? You're vying for the goal or the prize and what gets lost is the person that you're competing against. And you value that which, which you're going for instead of the person that you're competing against. And Abram, Abram says, no, what's more important is not the pasture land, which we both want, which we need. It's each other. It's the person. And Abram is saying, 
I don't want a conflict with you because you mean too much to me. We're brethren. We're family. And oftentimes, I'm sure you've seen it as well, family members compete with one another and they're willing to sacrifice the relationship in order to get where their goal is, to achieve an objective, and the person and the relationship gets passed by the wayside. But the person and the relationship is the most valuable is the, most, is, is the most important uh, thing here. It's the relationship. So he deals with this conflict by emphasizing that he values the relationship in his communication. If we do that, then we will prioritize that relationship. Maybe we have to realize or ask ourselves, how important is this relationship to me? But that's what he does. He values the relationship. Secondly, His communication offers a different perspective in the midst of the conflict. What does Abram say to Lot? He says, is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. In other words, they were so focused on the conflict, they were only looking at a particular piece of land, not getting a bigger picture of the the landscape. And they had a different perspective of the conflict. And if they just looked and saw the conflict from a different perspective, they would realize that there's a lot more land there that we could both use and still not, uh, and we could avoid this conflict. Looking at a conflict from a different perspective can get people to deal with the conflict in a much healthier way. Uh, In How Life Imitates the World series, Dave Boswell tells a story about Earl Weaver, a former manager of the Baltimore Orioles. Sports fans will enjoy how he handled the star Reggie Jackson. Weaver had a rule that no one could steal a base unless given the steal sign. This upset Jackson because he felt he knew the pitchers and catchers well enough to judge who he could and could not steal off of. So one game he decided to steal without a sign. He got a good jump off the pitcher and easily beat the throw to second base. As he shook the dirt off his uniform, Jackson smiled with delight, feeling he had vindicated his judgment to his manager. Later, Weaver took Jackson aside and explained why he hadn't given the steal sign. First, the next batter was Lee May, his best power hitter other than Jackson. When Jackson stole second, the first uh, first base was left open, so the other team walked May intentionally, taking the bat out of his hands. Second, the following batter hadn't been str- had not been a strong uh, hadn't been strong against that pitcher, and so Weaver felt that he had to send up a pinch hitter to try to drive the men on base. That left Weaver without bench strength later in the game when he needed it. And what the problem was here is that Jackson saw only his relationship to the pitcher and the catcher. Weaver was watching the whole game. He had the big picture, bird's eye view. And getting the big picture and alter a different perspective in the midst of the conflict can go a great way in alleviating the tension within that conflict. Thirdly, Abram, in his conversation or his communication with Lot, demonstrates a willingness to sacrifice his rights in the midst of the conflict. He says to Lot, if you take the left, then I will go to the right. If you go to the right, then I will go to the left. Why would Abram do this? This was against culture and custom. 
He was what they call the pater familius, head of household. He has the right of first choice. He's the leader of the family, right? It was according to custom and culture that he would choose the best land. Whatever land he wanted to get, he had the right to get. But he chose not to do that. He forgo his right, sacrificed his right, and gave Lot first choice and says, you know what, I'm going to be gracious. I'm going to forgo what I have every right to have, and I'm going to give you the opportunity, the first right of the land. He's deferential. He defers. And when we have that same mentality, then we're going to go a long way in healing or alleviating the tension within the conflict. That's what Abram does in his communication. So now we see the results of the communication and what happens as a result of this conflict. What happens? Well, we're going to see here that conflict among family members can drive a person farther away from the presence of the Lord. Conflict can drive a person farther away from the presence of the Lord. Verses 10 to 13. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. This was before the Lord had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It was like the garden of the Lord, the garden of Eden, like the land of Egypt as you go towards Zor. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. Did you notice what direction Lot went? He went east. What's the significance of going east? In the book of Genesis, in the patriarchal narratives, often, especially at the beginning, when you talk about going east, you're going in the direction that is away from God's presence. When, we, when Adam and Eve were banished from the garden, it says, so he, the Lord, drove out the man in Genesis 3.24. He drove out the man and he placed the cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword, which turned every way to the tree of life. In Genesis 4.16, another conflict between Cain and Abel. Cain murders his brother Abel. And what happened after Cain murdered his brother Abel? It says in Genesis 4.16, Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And then, of course, in Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 to 3, the uh, people got together, and the whole earth had one language and one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they ended up building this tower of Babel in opposition to God's will. He was going east. He's going away from the presence of the Lord. Going east, he's going towards the very edge or beyond the land of Canaan. So he's going outside of the influence of Abram in his life. He has chose something based on what he saw, and now he's apart from God's presence and influence in his life. The result of the conflict in Lot's life drove him farther away from God. And if we're not careful in how we deal with conflicts in our lives, it can make us bitter and have the same result in our walk with God. It can happen. It happened to Lot. Secondly, conflict among family members can draw a person closer to the presence of the Lord. Verses 14 to 18. 
And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, uh, and the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. And then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt where? By the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and he built an altar there to the Lord. He has built an altar there to the Lord, and he dwells there. The site of an altar is a phrase frequently employed for sanctuaries where people, men, hope to meet with God. And that's what he's doing. He builds an altar to God and he's drawing near to God. It draws him to want to worship the Lord. This is what happened to Abram as a result of the conflict. The fact that God reveals to Abram a more detailed expression of the promise of God is a sign of divine approval of how he handled the conflict with his nephew. When he, God first appeared to Abram, when, God, when Abram came to the land of Canaan, he told Abram, to your descendants I will, you, I will give you this land. Or, to your descendants I give this land, he said. But here he says, all the land I give to you and your descendants forever. It's a more detailed Uh, expression, articulation of his promise. And God is saying, I approve of what you've done. And so we see two contrasting uh, responses to conflict. They can drive you away from the presence of the Lord, or they can draw you nearer to him. That's the results of conflict. And unfortunately, there are many people today who, because of conflict, have have, have, have moved farther away from the Lord because they're bitter, there's a lot of resentment. It's true. Or we can be like Abram, and we, we can respond in a healthy way, in a godly way, and be blessed as a result. Conflict can be the source of blessing. It's how we respond to the conflict is what matters. Abram gives us one way. Lot gives us another And so what we see with this character of Abram is that he has grown as an individual. He has grown in his faith. And you see that when you compare how he he responds to the conflict in this passage as, as opposed to how he responds when he moved to Egypt because of the famine as we saw last week. In the previous crisis when he went to Egypt, Abram leaves the promised land because of a famine and travels to Egypt to meet his own needs. In the present crisis, Abram does not leave the promised land in the midst of a conflict, but trusts in God's provision to meet his needs. In the previous crisis, Abram devises a deceptive scheme based on what he sees, the appearance of his wife, in order to preserve his own life. In the present crisis, Abram allows Lot first choice of the land that surrounds them, even though he saw too it was well watered, and he's trusting that the unseen God will provide the land that will meet his needs. It is much better to live in a barren land where God is present than in a well-watered land where he is not. In the previous crisis, Abram does not 
did not seem to value his relationship with his wife as he was apparently willing to sacrifice her to save his own skin. In the present crisis, Abram clearly values the relationship with his own nephew and does not want to sacrifice losing it over property. They just simply agree to amicably separate. And sometimes that's a wise course of action. Amicably, amicably, I can't even say the word, amicably separate. In the previous crisis, Abram does not seem too concerned about his own testimony before a pagan king as his actions led to Pharaoh being cursed by God. In the present crisis, Abram is well aware that other people who don't know his God are watching the conflict between Lot and himself and he deals with the conflict before it impacts the testimony, his testimony in a negative way before a watching world. How do I know that? Look at verse 7. Verse 7 says this. It says, there was strife between who? It was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And then it says what? The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. What's the significance of that sentence? It's to tell us that these people who didn't know the Lord, the God of Israel, were watching the conflict between the herdsmen of Abram and the herdsmen of Lot. How are they going to respond? Abram understood. I don't want to have the bad testimony, how I fail, how I... uh, I don't want to have this testimony that, uh, that, that I gave when I was in Egypt. I learned from that, and I, I value the relationship now, and I value my testimony before God because people are watching me. You're seeing the growth of this individual as a result of this conflict. God put him right back into the, into the, into the uh, uh, crucible. There was a famine in Egypt, or in Canaan, goes to Egypt. Now there's another family because his herds aren't getting any food. Same problem, different way, but here God is growing him up. You failed, I'll put you right back in a similar situation until you learn what you need to learn in order to do what I want you to do and become who I want you to become. Not in that order, right? Abram is growing in his faith, and that's what God wants us to do, and he may allow us to experience conflicts so that we will grow as an individual and be recipients of his blessing and be drawn near to him in conflict. We don't want to be like Lot. When conflicts come, it is so important to communicate, to see the different perspective to defer and be gracious. The point of our conflict in, these, in this particular story and the, and, and, and the point of conflicts often is not to win it, but to demonstrate the way we live as Christians through it. It is a golden opportunity to learn, to love, and to grow in the kind of faith and love that Jesus showed. We're called to continue to live in conflict, to live in tension with those who may have different perspectives than our own. This means that we need to recognize the conflict as a gift and as a challenge that enables us to grow in our faith if we, or if and when, we choose to respond to it appropriately. 
May the Holy Spirit grant us the power and the judgment to live our own lives with courage and to continue to grow in our faith and trust in Christ in and through our family conflicts. Abram has given us an example on how to do that, when particularly when the problem is competition and unmet needs. Because we're all going to go through it at some point in time. Okay? And it's true with the church as well. We compete in the church. It's unmet needs in the church. People are watching the church and see how we're going to respond in the midst of conflict. How are we going to do so? In a, in a competitive world. Abram has given us a blueprint on how we can do that. Value the person, perspective, and be gracious. May God grant us uh, success in the conflicts that we face, both now and in the, in, in, in the days ahead. And may these be an opportunity to grow in our faith and mature us so that God can use us in a more powerful way in our world. Would you please pray with me? Father, we thank you, Lord, for the, the story of Abram, the life of Abram. Lord, we're so grateful for the story of Abram because we not only see uh, his faithfulness to you, but we saw his faults as well, his failures. And we can, we can we identify with that. We, we fail in our relationships, in our, within our family relationships often. And Lord, we, we need your grace and your strength to help us and wisdom to deal with these conflicts. Uh, Lord, we just pray that uh, as you were patient with Abram, that you would be patient with us and that we would learn the lessons of Abram and we would incorp incorporate them into our own life so that we can live the life of faith that you have created us to live. Help us to do that, Lord. Fill us with your spirit and be gracious to us. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name when you do. Amen. Receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Go in peace. Amen.